Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi there and welcome to the Explaining History podcast and today I'm going to be carrying on from a podcast I did last week about Roosevelt and Chamberlain um, to looking at the early years of Roosevelt and Churchill's relationship. Um, as we know, Germany uh, invaded Poland on the 1st of September 1939 and two days later Great Britain and France declared war on Germany and the Second World War uh, in Europe begins. Some might argue, with some degree of validity, that war, uh, world war, had really been ongoing in Asia since at least 1937, um, with the in Japanese invasion of China. Um, but for our purposes, we're sticking to a fairly standard his, um, sort of uh, chronology here. So, from 1939, September 1939, through to April 1940. Um, as far as Western Europe is concerned, very little happens. The Soviet Union, um, just over two weeks later, um, sees the eastern half of Poland and the um, Nazis knew full well this was going to happen because of the Nazi-Soviet pact that was signed in August 1939. So you have this period where you, of what William Borah, the US senator, uh, referred to as the phony war, um, this kind of lull, really, um, until um, April 1940. And during that period of time, Winston Churchill, um, as First Lord of the Admiralty, um, a role that he had occupied during the First World War, um, is in communication with Roosevelt. Churchill would have been a, a fairly uh, marginal figure um, to Roosevelt. They'd only met once. Um, Roosevelt was aware of him uh, as an individual uh, and his um, Anglo-American heritage and his public standing in Great Britain and across the British Empire. But they had yes, only met once in London in 1918. And uh, in 1933... Churchill had, for some reason, sent a copy of the biography of John Churchill, the first Duke of Marlborough, um, who had um, successfully um, fought at the, the Battle of Blenheim, um, to uh, Roosevelt with the inscription, Best wishes for the success of the Great Crusade of Modern Times. Um, and the only contact that they had with one another after that was in September uh, 1939, September 11th, odd prophetic date, um, when Churchill joins the war cabinet 
and Roosevelt sends a letter of congratulations. Um, Roosevelt having been Assistant Navy Secretary uh, during the First World War, and he sent a note saying, it's because you and I occupied similar positions in World War I that I want you to know how glad I am that you are back at the Admiralty. What I want you and the Prime Minister to know is that I shall at all times welcome it if you will keep me in touch personally with anything you want me to know about. Um, an interesting um, and non-too-cryptic message um, establishing a channel between Churchill and Roosevelt. In December that year, December 1939, Churchill um, showed that he was clear on taking uh, Roosevelt up on his offer by telegramming, sending a telegraph um, saying, generally speaking, I think the war will begin soon now. Which is a fascinating admission for uh, Churchill to make, um, that he didn't really consider that a war had started at all. Um, I suppose if you're Polish or living in one of the Jewish ghettos, uh, you might reconsider that. But um, what Churchill was talking about was uh, a belief that a war would begin in the West in earnest in 1940. Some members of the US Congress and the US Senate looked at Europe and they saw uh, weak-willed democracies um, and a blustering uh, fascist powers in the guise of Germany and Italy in some prolonged standoff with one another. And the idea that this would be a, uh, a prelude to global conflict at that time seemed to be uh, rather remote. It seemed as if Europe was stuck in some uh, rather uh, tragic and rather absurd deadlock, um, the likes which Europe was uh, later stuck in during the Cold War. But the difference between the Cold War and this period of a phony war is the existence of nuclear weapons which really um, solidified, mutually assured destruction really kind of solidified uh, boundaries and made the idea of uh, a rapid war of movement unthinkable. Hitler doesn't have these constraints in 1939 um, and the rapid war of movement is soon to come. Roosevelt, for his part, looked upon the this sort of eerie, eerie silence from Europe and thought that it was possible that a negotiated settlement could emerge um, from it, much as uh, negotiations over Czechoslovakia had been possible, though this time he saw himself as the role of the, uh, the honest broker. At this point, um, even though America itself was uh, very lightly armed, um, the... Americans had little hope that the British or the French would be able to stand up to the Germans, particularly um, against German air power. Uh, in fact, the French army was significantly larger than the German army at the time, and had it not been for the catastrophic decision to distribute uh, tanks evenly throughout army regiments and companies uh, and on the French army to rely on the Maginot line and not to build uh, panzer armies with you know, forces of hundreds upon hundreds of tanks which the, which the Germans used. The uh, story of 1940 might have been considerably different. It was 
very little to do with um, weakness in terms of manpower and in terms of armament, Renault tanks were extremely effective um, against German tanks at close range. It was the fact that not only were the um, the tanks distributed um, so evenly across the army that they could not create a sort of uh, a column of firepower that, that the Germans used in Blitzkrieg tactics to smash through enemy defences. But also, as Tony Judd in his book of essays, Reappraisals, points out, that some of the French generals, uh, Hunsinger, for example, um, uh, were only too happy um, when they were defeated. The reality being that they um, had conspired long um, and uh, wholeheartedly uh, against the uh, Republic, and uh, against the Popular Front when it was in power in 1936. And there was a, a belief um, amongst the generals, who many of whom went on to serve faithfully under the Vichy regime, uh, that a, a more authoritarian, nationalist, anti-socialist regime and um, anti-Semitism was uh, a, a, a key part of this heady mix would be uh, ideal. So the, um, the American calculations about French power uh, and about British power particularly um, weren't necessarily quite accurate, but the ultimate result is, uh, as we know from the summer of 1940, uh, an immense military catastrophe, to use the words of Churchill. Much of Roosevelt's information came from his ambassador to London, uh, Joseph Kennedy, uh, Kennedy was certain that Chamberlain would cut a deal with Hitler. Um, he was certain that uh, this deal might not be the worst thing in the world anyway, and that it was really the best thing that uh, a, a weakened Great Britain could hope for. Um, there was nothing uh, about the political circumstances of late 1939 um, that would, would have prepared somebody like Kennedy for the advent of Churchill, where an entire reversal uh, of fortunes uh, eventually emerges, uh, and Churchill, um, in spite of the knowledge that there were immense problems and weaknesses within Britain's defences, um, decides to make a commitment to absolute and outright victory and uh, utter defiance of the enemy, no matter what. Joseph Kennedy wrote, Make no mistake, there is a very definite undercurrent in this country for peace. Although everybody hates Hitler, um, the British still don't want to be finished economically, financially, politically and socially, which they're beginning to suspect will be their fate if the war goes on very long. And this statement itself is intriguing. Now, if um, Kennedy had been able to... Gain, to accurately gauge the mood of the nation, as sometimes some foreign uh, diplomats sometimes are able to do so, then the British were extremely prescient in their understanding of the potential outcome of the war. Um, any victory would no doubt be a hollow one, and one only, I suppose, had to have lived through the previous World War and the uh, intervening two decades um, to, to be able to come to this conclusion. In February 1940, the Assistant Under-Secretary of State Sumner Wells 
was sent on a European tour of Axis and Allied powers. Um, Wells um, was to to really find out um, whether there was going to be uh, the possibility of an American-mediated peace settlement with Hitler. So he went to uh, Rome, Berlin, Paris and London. And Wells quickly discovered that this was not going to be possible. When he went to Italy, he found that there were uh, Italian generals who knew that the country was woefully underprepared for war, and uh, who wanted to avoid war at any costs, uh, but Mussolini was not listening. Um, he went to Berlin and was harangued for several hours by Joachim von Ribbentrop. Um, Wells's observations uh, on the day um, was that um, the pomposity and absurdity of uh, Ribbentrop's manner um, gave him the clue, and I quote, uh, that the man is saturated with hate for England. He added that when he met Hitler, that um, he was thinking to himself as he got into the car that it was only too tragically plain that all decisions had already been made. The best that could be hoped for was a delay for what little that might be worth. When Wells went to Paris, a city he knew well, um, he discovered that uh, the French had, in essence, given up. The French public opinion certainly had. There had been a collapse in morale. There was very little uh, belief in any kind of um, hope um, or uh, the will to fight, um, which I think we shouldn't draw too much from that and assume that the French were ready to surrender as soon as the first German tank rumbled over the border. Certainly not. The French fight um, with the uh, with absolute tenacity, um, so much so that those French soldiers, many of those French soldiers that are evacuated at Dunkirk, re-embark 48 hours later and get back on the ships back to France to continue the fighting. Wells had to disagree with Kennedy's interpretation of the British when Wells arrives in London. Um, Wells decided that the British would fight to the very end and they, he said there appeared to be a determination that rather than live once more through the experiences that they had suffered since the autumn of 1938 they would see it through to the end no matter how far off that end might be nor how bitter the Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Progress towards it might prove. So again, Wells is saying something interesting there. 
He's saying that the um, embarrassed, the humiliation of appeasement, um, of being essentially hoodwinked by Hitler um, and forced to concede um, bit by bit, um, a real affront to British power and Britain's sense of its own martial prestige, having, as many British people felt they had been, uh, been pushed around by Hitler or intimidated. The simplicity of conflict was better than uh, than this uh, rather unsatisfactory state of affairs. Sumner Wells, of course, met Churchill, and Churchill and uh, Anthony Eden both told um, him that there was no no alternative than the total and utter defeat of Nazism and the destruction of the uh, the Third Reich. Obviously, Churchill knew full well that this couldn't be achieved without the United States of America. Churchill knew that what he had to say would be uh, conveyed back to Roosevelt, and he knew that um, sending Roosevelt a message that there were at least some figures in the British government that were determined to fight to the end no matter the cost um, was going to be of, of immense political value. Um, America needed to be certain of the British, um, particularly Roosevelt, before even considering uh, any kind of involvement or aid. So when Wells goes home, he says that the, the picture is this, that there's no chance of negotiating with Hitler or Mussolini. Um, but also the idea that the at least the British are just going to fold is um, unlikely. Um, that the British, no matter what, will fight. So very briefly after Wells' return to America, um, the uh, war in the West begins. The uh, the Nazis occupy Denmark, and then the uh, attack on Norway begins. Um, and the attack on Norway um, and Britain's, Britain and France's um, rather inept response to it are the, the kind of the moments on which Churchill's story hinges because this is the cause of the downfall of uh, Chamberlain. The British and French on one side, aided by the Poles who escaped from Poland, and the uh, Germans, on the other, were in a race to occupy Norway. Uh, Norway was a source of iron and coal and other uh, precious metals and uh, raw materials, and also it was a route by, by which raw materials were exported from Sweden um, and down through Norway uh, through, uh, to the North German ports. So it's an enormously um, important country. It didn't really fit into any of Hitler's um, kind of Lebensraum goals. It was full of um, the kinds of Aryans that Hitler was rather fond of. Um, but all the same, Hitler was mainly exercised by the fear that it might fall into uh, America, into uh, British and French hands. Uh, that would mean that uh, large parts of the uh, Northern Atlantic would be off-limits to the German Navy. The British learn a salutary lesson and are taught it by the uh, Germans in organisation. 
at sea, the, the British inflict huge losses on the German Navy, and the German Navy is quite badly mauled by the Royal Navy. But on land, the inability to coordinate uh, infantry, artillery, air power and armour uh, is little short of embarrassing. Um, the British become uh, stranded at northern ports along the, um, the Norwegian coast and British soldiers show uh, quite a shocking ill-discipline um, as they um, indeed wind up kind of ransacking, in some cases, Norwegian homes. It's not the army that emerges um, later on. The ineptitude, uh, the, the failure and the poor planning of the operation lead to the Norway debates where Chamberlain is, um, uh, Chamberlain is uh, absolutely torn to shreds by Parliament. The, uh, the government's own backbenchers, conservative backbenchers, implore, as one backbencher does uh, for, Ch for Chamberlain, in the name of God, man, go. Um, and they cite um, Oliver Cromwell, um, who, when he was dismissing uh, the long parliament, said, You have sat too long here for any good you have been doing. Depart, I say, and let us have done with you. When you even have uh, retired admirals um, turning up, to take their seat in Parliament um, to condemn the, uh, the, the Prime Minister. Uh, it's, it's all over. Now, Chamberlain does win the vote of no confidence against him, but he wins by such a slender margin that he knows it's not really a victory at all, and he goes to King George VI to tell him that his position is untenable. There are two candidates... Um, who could possibly uh, lead the country. One is Lord Halifax, Conservative peer, and the other is Churchill. The uh, Labour Party um, say that they will not join any government, any kind of na government of national crisis um, with Chamberlain, and the um, position of Lord Halifax is also, as a wartime leader, untenable, because he would have to um, run the war from the House of Lords and not from the House of Commons. So Churchill is the only realistic choice, and on May the 10th, he manages to take office and uh, become steps into 10 Downing Street as just as Prime Minister and also the Minister for Defence. So Churchill had an immense amount of power to manage the war in the way that he saw fit. And on that, sa on that same day, on the 10th of May, um, the uh, German Blitzkrieg uh, began in the Netherlands, Belgium uh, and Luxembourg and would later uh, push directly into France. The um, German paratroops, for example, uh, landed uh, in the Netherlands. Uh, they seized the fort of uh, Eben Imal in, um, the, uh, in Belgium. Um, and then a huge column of 1,800 tanks poured into northern France around the Maginot Line. And as we know, I think I've done a podcast on Dunkirk before, cut upwards towards the coast in the Sickleschnitt uh, move, which uh, or the, the Sickle Cut move, um, which uh, had originally been, uh, despite how many times Hitler claimed credit for this one, had been drawn up by um, one of his most talented generals, uh, von Manstein. 
The British and the French are lured into uh, Belgium, where a smaller German force uh, marched, and then they are cut off and forced back to a pocket at Dunkirk, where it was uh, hoped by Hitler that they would be finished off. On May the 15th, Paul Reynaud, the uh, French Prime Minister, um, said to Churchill, you know, we've been defeated and the, um, the, de- um, the defeat, um, the defeat, the defeat, fi- and in that month, the uh, Operation Dynamo uh, at Dunkirk uh, happens and 338,000 troops are rescued from the beaches. And this is what gives Britain its ability to fight on. The entire equipment of the British Expeditionary Force, um, which when the Germans see it, they can't believe how well equipped and how well looked after the British soldiers are. That has to be um, left behind. And um, this meant was, you know, seven thousand included 90,000 rifles, 7,000 tonnes of ammunition and 120,000 vehicles. And it would be this disaster that would have a profound effect on the relationship between Churchill and Roosevelt. Now you had the Prime Minister of a belligerent power, backed by the an Allied President who was keen to do what he could, and it was a belligerent power that was uh, had a, a fighting force uh, bereft of equipment. And it just so happened that the United States was the world's greatest manufacturing force. Churchill understood full well that war production wins wars just as much as fighting men and boots on the ground does. And the um, retreat at Dunkirk had taken away most of Britain's um, means of fighting. He said, many months must elapse before this loss could be repaired. And he was mindful of the fact that whilst there was an effective fighting force in the guise of the RAF and in the Royal Navy, if the Germans were successful in a land invasion, the British would be virtually powerless to stop them, having lost most of their armour and artillery. As we'll explore in um, later podcasts, because I tend to continue on on this theme, um, the uh, loss of France is an enormous body blow, not just to Great Britain, but to America as well. The British thought that uh, a a war would be fought in France for some time, uh, you know, a matter of years, that there would perhaps be something of a stalemate, and that would give the British time to fully rearm um, the uh, American um, world view in uh, the summer of 1940 that was that Britain may well be next, and that would leave America uh, worryingly exposed with only uh, an Atlantic Ocean between the United States and a very hostile fascist Europe. And now we have to kind of return really to Joseph Kennedy. Um, Joseph Kennedy believed that the you know the catastrophe of Dunkirk would be followed by an offer that Britain would have to take, and here is where Kennedy uh, Kennedy's predictions are are wrong. In that, in spite of what appeared to be a hopeless situation, Churchill uh, rallied the cabinet. Firstly, he makes a his famous speech. Um, Fight them on the fight them on the beaches um, speech in Parliament, um, and then he 
um, engages the cabinet days later, saying essentially that any kind of peace deal would mean slavery uh, for the British Isles, and uh, some, and if not actual physical slavery, then a kind of moral slavery. But much of this was theatre, and the audience was, of course, the White House. And being able to show America that no matter what, the British resolve was firm, um, was an essential part of, of Churchill's political role. His ability to be forceful, theatrical, a great orator, um, had implications in the British Isles in terms of building morale amongst the British people, though if you look at the kind of the histories of that, it's questionable how well people really how far people really bought into Churchill. But it also has huge implications for uh, America and the uh, presenting the sympathetic position of um, an embattled Britain willing to fight to the end uh, did enormous amount to bring American public on side to for uh, at least for um, uh, aid for Britain, uh, but it also encouraged um, Roosevelt to think that if fighting was necessary, if American troops um, in the war were necessary, then there would be a reliable partner in the guise of Great Britain, led by Winston Churchill. Anyway, I hope you found this useful and helpful, um, and um, I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.